Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Welcome back, everybody. This is the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life. And for anybody new to the podcast, TLDR just means too long, didn't read. I actually always like to call it TLWR, too long, won't read. That's just a reference to those folks who have an attention span of about 14 seconds. This is generally speaking not a podcast that appeals to those folks. This is a podcast for educated people or people seeking to be educated. It's a a bit of an academic podcast, if ever there was one. The professional historians out there might disagree with me on that one. I can I can almost hear the voice now. It's like, oh my gosh, how dare you, Roman? How dare you say this is an academic podcast? This is just you reading some letters and spouting off with your opinions. Uh, well, yeah, okay. But it's a, it's a heck of a lot more educational than a lot of podcasts out there. And uh, there's definitely podcasts better. I'm not going to dispute that. And there's definitely podcasts out there just as educational as this one. But this is a very educational podcast, I think. It's for the more cerebral individuals out there in the world. I know that doesn't make uh, this podcast any better than than other podcasts that that aren't oriented in that fashion. It's just it's just the way it is. Uh, most history podcasts are like that. But I like this kind of podcast. This is the kind of podcast that I listen to in my free time. Uh, I listen to. I'm a podcast junkie. I mean, I, I'm just I'm podcast all day long kind of guy. You know, when I'm at work, I'm listening to podcasts. When I'm on my way to work, I'm listening to podcasts. When I'm on my way back from work, I'm listening to podcasts. If I got an appointment and I'm driving somewhere, probably about 70% of the time, maybe I'm listening to podcasts, 30% I'm listening to music. I'm a podcast guy. Always have been. Even before there were podcasts, I was a podcast kind of guy. I remember back in the 90s when this kind of content would either, when the internet did become a thing, people did start putting this kind of stuff on the internet before podcasts were a thing, just audio file. Before that, it was actually on cassette tape. There were people putting out cassette tapes with uh, various types of content on it. And to be able to listen to this kind of thing, you had to order some cassette tapes or something like that, or, and eventually CDs and, and things of that nature. I remember that. That's how far back I go with this kind of content. This is my life. This is uh this this defines me in some particular kind of way. And just as an aside, uh, the the next few minutes of this podcast are going to be inside baseball. I'm going to read a review and actually an updated review from somebody who decided to uh, update uh, update us with a question. And I'm going to talk a little bit about inside baseball for the first uh, first you know five ten minutes of this podcast. So if you don't want to hear any of that, just skip forward. It's fine. But anyway, and true to form, uh, you can tell that I like doing this or, or that I ha- certainly have some kind of a work ethic. I am recording this episode on New Year's Eve, ladies and gentlemen. That's actually the middle of the day on New Year's Eve, December 31st, when I'm recording this. Uh, first, it was uh, recording an episode on Christmas Day. Now I'm recording an episode on Christmas Eve. Boy, I just can't be stopped. You can't stop me. While all the other podcasters are on vacation and taking time off, I am right here, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, there are a few other podcasters that do record on days like today. There's a few of them out there, but I can certainly understand why everybody else would want to take a break. Although, for for a lot of those folks, podcasting is is in part their basically their full time job. This is not my full time job, by the way. I have a I have a job separate from this, so this is a extra. This that's probably why I have to record these things on Christmas Day and New Year's Eve and stuff like that. It's the only time I have time to do it. It's on the weekend. Well, that's just a little inside baseball uh, about me, about uh, where I'm coming from on this podcast, and 
what's going on with me this particular day as of the date that I record this. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the previous episode, and I hope you all enjoy this one. This is going to be an off episode, and before we get into it, I wanted to get back to the reviews. One of our contributors on the study group here, uh, the artist formerly known as SMS, uh, who henceforth shall be referred to as Jared, left an update review on the podcast. Uh, they went in and edited their review and added a little bit more to it, and I thought I would get back to that. I do appreciate the folks who leave reviews on the on the podcast, not just because it puts the podcast on the map, so to speak, because you do get podcasters constantly poking and prodding everybody to leave reviews on their podcast. I also like it because it's a way that we can interact. But now there is this uh, question, how else can you interact with the podcast? And that's what Jared wanted to talk to us about. And I'm going to read a portion of their updated review to uh, get to that very question. Quote, Do you have an email system to send in reviews, questions, or comments? If there's ever a comment or question, I have to rewrite or edit the review that I left before. Or maybe I'm just doing it wrong. Thanks. End quote. No, you're not doing it wrong. You know, I used to have a Patreon. Some people who are new to the podcast might go back and listen to those old episodes and keep hear me ramble on and on and on about the Patreon podcast and go over there and be like, where's the Patreon podcast at? Well, I, I tore it down temporarily. My intention was to redesign it, and that actually was the mechanism to get a hold of me uh, outside of the reviews on the podcast. What you do is you'd go over to Patreon, create a Patreon account, uh, and there's a lot of content creators over on Patreon. Uh, chances are, if you have watched a lot of YouTube channels in your time, you have watched a YouTube creator that also has a Patreon account, because that's where a lot of them go to monetize their podcast, especially the people who have been demonetized, because they can't monetize their videos on YouTube, they have to go over to Patreon to do that. And they do that through the support and contribution of the audience, the core audience of the po- of the, uh, the YouTube channel or the podcast or whatever it may be. And that's what I had. Now, true to form, this was just like this podcast. Back when I did the Patreon, I was brand new to all this, and I was really just getting figuring things out. And I put up the Patreon for a little bit. I took it back down for, for really two reasons. Number one, I wanted to redesign it and how I approach it. And I also didn't have a lot of time for it. So that kind of took away the opportunity for people to be able to send messages through the Patreon site to get to me. And that was the only thing that I had. I don't actually have an email uh, to get a hold of me. I did have a Gab for a short period of time, Gab being an alternative to Twitter. Uh, and why was I on Gab instead of Twitter? Honestly, half of it was to be contrary, because uh, I like to be. And the other, the other part of it was, you know... It really depends on what you post on Twitter. I don't know how they would react to statements that I make. Like, like if I post an episode over there that says, you know, democracy should die or something like that. There, there's obviously nobody over at Twitter is going to have the first clue what the context of that is. Because, let's be honest, when it comes to history, most of those people probably running that show over there can't rub two brain cells together. So there's a chance that the tweets could get blocked or canceled or whatever it is they're doing over there at Twitter these days. I don't pay attention to it because I've never really had a Twitter. Uh, and I didn't figure Gab would do that. But honestly, I, Gab, the Gab audience wasn't really, for the most part, amenable to the podcast. It just wasn't the right crowd. So I ended up abandoning the Gab that I had anyway. So anyway, long story short, really the only way to get a hold of me is through the reviews on this podcast. Now, because... Our contributor, Jared, has decided to uh, remind me about that, that there is a limitation to be had there. What I'm going to do is I am going to try to remedy that situation in one form or another. And I have been working on it for a little while. It's just um, I, I end up having to work on it in just the few minutes that I have here and there. But I'm making some progress in that regard, and I expect to have—and I was also waiting to, to hear back from— uh, an advisor of sorts 
about some particular aspect of that, and I, ex I expect for a lot of this stuff to be resolved sometime in the next couple of weeks. And what may end up happening is I get the Patreon back up and running. Now, the Patreon is a subscriber-based thing. You can't really have access to the Patreon without ha without subscribing to it. There is a cost associated with it. Now, what I did before was I had a separate podcast that I actually uploaded over there. It was just uh, podcasts on subjects that I can't really talk about on this podcast because they're not about the Founding Fathers. It was general history and other things. I like to provide some kind of content to those people who are actually separating themselves from their money to have a Patreon subscription. And that's basically what I would set up over there again, although with the caveat that it would be rather irregular when I upload things over there. Uh, it would be fairly irregular. I think there might actually be a way to do live streams and stuff like that over there on Patreon, which is something that I had considered at one point, too. Uh, if the audience over here on this podcast got large enough and I felt justified in actually setting something like that up. There's always the possibility for stuff like that down the road. Um, that begins to become more practical the uh, the larger the podcast gets, and obviously the more subscribers that I would have over on Patreon. Uh, when I had the Patreon before, I only really ever had like one subscriber over there. That was during the very early days of the podcast, though. Uh, a lot of folks uh, don't really find it necessary to, to do Q&A and stuff like that, so they don't ever go over to Patreon. But... Uh, because we have somebody who might clearly actually be interested in stuff like that, I will um, I will redouble my efforts and try to get that set up, and I will let you know when it's set up. And, and if, I, if, I, if I do end up setting it up again this time, and that's an if, I don't know if I will, it depends on a couple of things, but if I do, it will stay up for as long as Patreon allows me to have it. I won't take it back down, probably, uh, barring some kind of catastrophe or something like that. And I'll try, obviously, last time I had multiple tiers, I had like a $3 tier, like $3 a month, you get access to the podcast, and there was a second tier, you pay a little bit more, and there's a little bit more to it than that. It'll be the same kind of thing again. I'll keep it, I'll keep, I'll create a tier that's as cheap as possible uh, for those folks who really just want to send a message or a question once in a while, and then there'll probably be a higher tier for, you know, extra access and a, an additional podcast and things of that nature. I actually toyed with the idea of having a $0 tier over there, a free tier, uh, for strictly just Q&A, but strict—actually, stri Patreon will not allow me to create a, a $0 tier. Uh, the lowest, uh, lowest value I can create is a $1 tier. So I couldn't create a free tier over there even if I tried for just uh, general subscribers. But uh, why do that instead of just an email? Honestly, I always understood that Patreon was a barrier to entry. You have to go first. You have to go to Patreon. You have to set up an account. There's a lot of people that just won't do it. And then you have to subscribe, which means you have to separate yourself from your money. Although it's not a lot of money, but it's a little bit, which is another barrier to entry. But that's actually a good thing when you're talking about a podcast like this because. What I don't want is I don't want a situation where people could spam an email or just hit me up with random whatevers. Uh, the people that would actually send questions to the podcast that I would answer or that we would talk about, because uh, a question for, or a review from somebody who listens to the podcast can create an entire discussion. Uh, I, can, I can start an entire discussion based around just a review or a question or a comment or whatever. Uh, I wanted those people to have some, uh, to, be, to be really dedicated members of the study group. And the only way I can really do that is to set up a minimum barrier to entry over on Patreon where somebody has to go out of their way to create a Patreon and then subscribe and then interact. And that creates usually a much better interaction. The people who do set up content over on Patreon, they always talk about it in a positive, that it's the some of the best interactions that they have. Like the YouTube creators that use it, the best interactions that they have a lot of the time are not on YouTube. 
they're on Patreon. And that's not true for everybody, but I've definitely heard some of those folks talk about it. So that's that's really my, the genesis of my thinking in that regard. So so stay tuned for that, and I'll see if I can get that up and going. And a little bit sooner than I otherwise would have, because without a little prompting, it probably would have taken me another year and a half or so to get the Patreon back up and running. I don't know. So thank you to uh, to Jared for reminding me of that and also updating the review and sending in that question. Much appreciated. Uh, and again, if anybody else wants to leave a review with a comment, question, suggestion, whatever, what have you, uh, you can leave it on for now until uh, until I find another way to do it. And if I don't ever get the Patreon up and running, I'll find another way. I'll figure out something, even if it's just a, a no barrier to entry way to get a hold of me. And I'll try to figure out how to make that actually work, if I can. But uh, in the meantime, if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, you can. And uh, comments, questions, suggestions, all that stuff. So what are we going to talk about today? Besides this, uh, this has really been about uh, 10 minutes of just inside baseball. I was going to talk about canceling tyranny. And that's probably going to be the name of this uh, this podcast episode is canceling tyranny. That would be kind of your Gen Z uh, description of what, it, what, is, what is it that the Founding Fathers did, I guess. And somebody might ask the question, is that what the Founding Fathers did effectively? Were they canceling tyranny? Speaking of cancel, uh, canceling this, canceling that in this day and age, you could articulate it that way. You could definitely say that the, the Founding Fathers were canceling tyranny. Uh, that's not, uh, I don't think that's a bridge too far. Uh, certainly trying to cancel it in the colonies, what eventually became the United States of America. And it was a, it was a very difficult thing to do, you know? Our, our Gen Z friends out there would, uh, would probably refer to it as canceling tyranny, as opposed to just, just the Revolutionary War, Declaration of Independence, things of that nature. Uh, speaking of generations, by the way, I don't think I've ever mentioned this. Somebody might have figured it out. I, I don't know, like, what generation am I? What generation are you? Some people like to know the answers to that question. I said it like in episode one, the very first version of episode one. I've had three versions of episode one that I've, uh, that I've done over the, over the last year or so. But uh, I, I said in that episode that, uh, you know, learning about me, that is, to, that is to say the man behind the microphone, would come out in drips and drabs. I don't do like a biography section of myself. It just kind of comes out here and there. So what generation am I in? I've never actually said it before. Although some of you folks have probably figured it out. Just doing the math on things I say as I go. Uh, I'm technically in Generation Y. That would be the millennial generation. Technically. Uh, I'm one of the older millennials. And there really is a difference between the two, by the way. Maybe I'll do an episode on that. Like the fir first half of the millennials and the second half of the millennials. It's just a different crowd. Not entirely. There's obvious, It ebbs and it flows, and everybody is an individual. Uh, like, like, for example, me, myself, I am much more like my grandparents' generation than I am my parents' generation or my own generation. I'm much more like my grandparents' generation. And that would be what I call the, uh, the World War II generation. And no, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, I'm. I'm like one of the greatest generation. That's what everybody else calls it. But if you know me, you know that I don't refer to them as the greatest generation because I don't. I don't believe that. Uh, it's not a competition or anything. But I, I believe that the the trials and tribulations that the founding fathers overcame in their generation was much more intense than what the World War II generation faced. I mean, when you have the British military burning people's houses to the ground and firing at people literally in their own backyard with musket fire, that's a, that, that's, that's a pretty intense day. Not a lot of that going on in, in the United States in World War II. To say nothing of the economic collapse that happened in the United States at the time, too, by the way. But I'm much, I'm much more like my grandparents' generation. And... I wonder if I wonder if anybody else is the same. You, you don't really fit in with your generation very much. And the reason why I'm much more like my grandparents' generation is because I choose to be. Uh, I simply think it's better. 
I think they are better than my generation. I think they were better than my parents' generation. I think uh, as far as the people that I have known in my life, they were the best. Either that or my great-grandparents' generation. Uh, but those those two generations, honestly, talking to those people, they, they sound kind of the same. Uh, and I did talk to my grandparents, um, or excuse me, my great grandparents. I remember my great grandmother. Uh, she was a she was a she was a good woman, very 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 positive individual. But getting back on track, now that I've answered that question, like what generation is Roman? Millennial generation, technically. So canceling tyranny. Let's talk a little bit about that. The founding fathers did, in essence, try to cancel tyranny in the United States, in the colonies, and I think they succeeded for the most part, but the ever-present question is going to come, well, Roman, if the Founding Fathers were canceling tyranny, why didn't they end slavery? Well, that's a good question. They didn't really succeed in canceling tyranny altogether, because again, slavery was an institution that corrupted the individual, it corrupted systems, it corrupted the government, it corrupted a lot of things. Now, did it corrupt all people? No. It certainly didn't corrupt John or Abigail Adams or Samuel Adams. Or many others. Most of the Founding Fathers were not corrupted by it, generally. But many were. And thus, it was very difficult to cancel that particular tyranny. And you know, it's interesting, and I'll talk about this a little bit more probably on the uh, issue of slavery when I, do, when I do my episode or episodes, plural, on slavery. There's a lot of people in this country today that go on and on and on about the sin of slavery. Yet a lot of the ways that people suffered under slavery back in that time... People in the United States today voluntarily walk into it today. People were trying to escape it in 1861, but people gladly walk into it in 2023. Isn't that weird? Oh my gosh, Roman, what are you talking about? Well, just stay tuned to the podcast. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's what I, what, I'll, what I'm going to have what I'm going to have to say about that is probably going to be hugely unpopular, but I don't really give a crap uh, because unpopular is pretty much what I do. Uh, it's it's pretty much the hallmark of my lifetime. Believe me, when you when you got when you got when you got a personality like me that likes to talk about history the way that I like to talk about history, there aren't a lot of people that really put up with that. There really aren't. I mean, imagine me on a date with a woman talking about history like I do on this podcast because I've done that before, by the way. And believe me, it doesn't go over very well. So I'm used to it. But I'll talk about that on a future episode of the podcast. But yes, there is that problem of canceling tyranny. Slavery was not canceled. It should have been. Was it? No, it wasn't. Not until much later on. But eventually it was. Because, you know, time eventually takes care of these things. You know, people just got, people get to a point where they just can't stand it anymore. They can't stand looking at those southern states and tolerating that business, that nightmare, that atrocity continuing any longer. And so eventually it came to an end. That was canceling tyranny as well. But how did the Founding Fathers cancel tyranny? They didn't do it alone. We had France to help us, We had, which was in itself a kind of tyranny, believe it or not. Imagine the Revolutionary War without France, without the assistance of the French. I honestly, it would have, it would have been very, very difficult, almost impossible for us to do it without them. I'm, I'm fine saying that. Now, why am I asking that question? And what does that have to do with canceling tyranny? Why do I suddenly bring up the French and how difficult it would have been to cancel tyranny without the French? I mean, it was difficult already, even with the French. If George Washington were still alive, he would tell you just how difficult it was. He didn't really have a pleasant time getting shot at. He was almost killed on multiple occasions. For all those folks who think that the uh, the upper crust of society had this country just handed to them on a silver platter. Uh, newsflash, George Washington was the upper crust of society. And he was shot at a great many times. And almost killed several times. Nothing was handed to that man on a silver platter as it pertains to his freedom and liberty in this country, nor the many thousands of men who fought next to him, or even separate from him elsewhere in the country at the time, be it in Canada or in the South, etc. 
But what if the French didn't help us? Practically impossible, it seems, to be able to win our freedom and our liberty. And this is important because this stands this stands in stark contrast to today. Has anybody else noticed this? I'm going to throw a question out there, and I want you to think real long and hard about this. Have you noticed a phenomenon in recent years where countries can oppress their people? They can do whatever they want to their own people. They can murder them. They can shoot at them. They can beat them in the streets. They can attack them. They can attack women and children. They can arrest people, innocent people, without cause and detain them seemingly indefinitely. They can disrupt their God-given right to free speech or their natural right to free speech, however you look at it. Because you disrupt a man's free speech or a woman's free speech, and you you disrupt their ability to communicate, their ability to think freely as a human being. This is a fundamental natural right. But you watch governments disrupt that, attack that amongst a million other things that they're attacking, and other governments around the world don't really seem to say much about it. They seem to keep their mouth shut whenever they see it, including the United States. The United States these days sees tyranny around the world, and, and the government of the United States, the politicians of the United States, keep their mouth shut. Why? Have you noticed this? Because I sure have. Whether it's uh, a tyranny in Iran, or China, or North Korea... Or Australia. Yes, I said it. The politicians in the United States seem largely, with a, with a few exceptions, they seem largely to just keep their mouth shut. Now, why would you do that if you're the beacon of freedom and liberty in the world, the United States of America? You're supposed to be. Why would you keep your mouth shut? So here's the question. Does it seem like there is an unwritten rule or an undeclared rule, perhaps? It may be written down somewhere, but I haven't seen it. An undeclared rule that each government shall be able to oppress and harass its own people, and every other government around the world will keep its mouth shut. Does that seem to be a thing? Have you noticed that? It seems to be, be becoming more and more a thing, in my opinion, to answer the question. How in the world is that happening? And that's why I mentioned the French. Imagine in the Revolutionary War, if there was an unwritten rule between France and England, where you can oppress your people and do whatever you want to them, we'll keep our mouth shut. But if we oppress and harass our own people, you better keep your mouth shut too, and stay out of it. What if there was that unwritten rule back then, just as there seems to be today? Are you starting to see the problem with this? And who else is going to mention this to you? Probably nobody, because I don't know that very many people are actually paying attention to it. Nobody within arm's reach of a microphone, but it does appear to be a legitimate thing. Because I see it everywhere. I see it all the time. Now, you will hear a few people speak out about Iran, kinda... You'll hear a few people speak out about China, but seriously, when they were locking people in their buildings in Shanghai, and we had video and audio of people screaming in the city, like like in the background, people just screaming in unison out of these buildings that they were locked up into. Did you hear the politicians out of Washington, D.C., shouting from the hilltops about how evil China is and about how despicable that regime is and how we need to do everything in our power to extricate ourselves from any relation to that country, to that government? No, I didn't hear that. Did you hear that? Because I didn't hear that. Why is that? Is it because of the unwritten rule? Now, obviously, there are politicians that don't go along with the unwritten rule. But boy, are they few and far between. I can, I can say to you honestly, of all of my federal elected representatives, I can't think of a single one of them that actually speaks aggressively about any of these issues. They seem to be willing participants in the unw unwritten rule. Maybe it's because they think they can't do anything about it. So why say anything about it? You know, it's it's like, you know, it's like the um it's like the starvations in Ukraine back during Stalin. Oh, we can't do anything about it, so I might as well not even say anything about it. Or what the Germans were doing in the nineteen thirties, ah, well, there's nothing we can do about it, so why say anything about it? 
Now let's just keep our mouths shut. I mean, is that a good character? Is that a positive character? Or is that a problematic character? I, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. This is, again, gets back to conspiracy theory versus conspiracy fact. I don't know that there is, in fact, an unwritten, undeclared rule between these, uh, these uh, leaders around the world and their governments, their politicians more specifically, not to say anything about these tyrannies, about the suppression, about these attacks on their own people. I don't know that. I'm just noticing a trend and a pattern develop here. And I felt like I would comment on it. And then ask the question, if such a rule existed during the time of the Founding Fathers and France did not come to our aid, would there be a United States of America? Would the United States of America have ended with the defeat of some, some part of the Revolutionary Army and General Washington being murdered, killed, in combat, and the rest of the Founding Fathers rounded up and executed? Is that why there's this unwritten rule? Is it possible that there is some fear on the part of some government somewhere? Could be China or somebody else. It could be multiple governments. Could it be that there's some fear that there will be some opposition to tyranny and they don't want that to happen on their watch? China's obviously very paranoid about this. I mean, you, you can tell that when after Tiananmen Square, the morning after, they're shooting their own people in the back with AK-47s or AK-74s, whatever they had. I don't know what standard issue Chinese army was at the time. And for all you folks out there who don't know firearms really well, you might think I'm getting my numbers backwards, you know, like, hey, you know, is it a, get, it, get it straight. Is it AK-47 or AK-74? You just flip the numbers around, you're getting your numbers backwards. Actually, those are two different weapons entirely. There is there is an AK-47 weapon, and then there's an AK-74 weapon. Uh, primary difference being the uh, the cartridge that the weapon uses, different caliber. But that's that's what my reference is to that. Clearly, China is con concerned about this, and they, they don't want an uprising for freedom and liberty in their country. They don't want it. So what lengths will they go to to see to it that that doesn't happen? Will they recruit American politicians, Canadian politicians, British politicians to just keep their mouth shut? I don't know. My gosh, Roman, are you saying these politicians are being bribed by China? No, I don't think they have to be. I think when these world leaders get together at the G7 or the G10 or whatever, I think it's perfectly possible for these to ha these people to have a backroom meeting where they shake hands and they say, okay, don't mess with me and I won't mess with you. Okay, you think that's not possible? Oh my gosh, that's a conspiracy theory. They do it all the time. Come on, let's grow up here. Let's put our big boy pants on, grow up, become an adult, and just think logically about this. And why am I talking about this? Why do I even mention it? I'm going to be honest with you, because tyranny makes me angry. I've looked back through the pages of history, and I've made this clear on recent episodes of this podcast. I've looked back through the pages of history, and I've seen too many people die. I've seen too many people be tortured. I've seen too many people be butchered by their own government. The Chinese government's at the top of the list. What they, what if they, how many have they killed? Somewhere between 40 and 50 million of their own people? And we're just going to keep our mouths shut? That seems to be the order of the day, as far as the politicians are concerned. But it's not just China. That's the problem. It seems to be everywhere. Now, somebody might raise the question, what about Russia, Roman? Uh, yeah, the politicians are speaking out against Russia, uh, trying to do the draft and recruit their people and blah, 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 the invasion of Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's the problem with that. That's Russia crossing a border. See, the unwritten rule seems to make an exception for that, all right? So you can oppress your own people as much as you want, just don't cross a border. As soon as you cross a border, then we can talk about it. Then we'll, then we'll chastise you. But as long as you stay within your little fiefdom over there, and you butcher, murder, kill, harass your own people, take their rights away from them, eh, we'll just keep our mouth shut. That's the difference. So as soon as Russia crossed a border, all bets are off. Now, I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. I, I fully admit that. There may be no unwritten rule. There may be no undeclared rule that these governments, more specifically, again, the politicians, not necessarily the governments, but the politicians, have set up. But it's something to think about. These are things you have to keep an eye on. 
And the reason why you have to keep an eye on it is because there's always the possibility that some horrible thing could happen again. I mean, as I speak, the Chinese government is in the business of murdering its own people. It has been non-stop since the communists took over. This is not a figment of my imagination. This is not rampant paranoia. I don't sit around with a tinfoil hat on, paranoid about tyranny that doesn't exist. Oh, it exists. And it has for about 10,000 years. And it still does to this day. So naturally, as a student of history, I'm watchful of it. Because when you're not watchful of it, people die. Even when you are watchful of it, frankly speaking, people die. But perhaps we can save somebody. Some country can be saved if we pay attention. And is it acceptable for our politicians to conduct themselves this way? To turn a blind eye to tyranny and oppression? It shouldn't be in the United States. We fought a war. Multiple wars. So that tyranny and oppression would not reign inside of our borders. And heck, we fought wars so that tyranny and oppression wouldn't reign within other people's borders. We're one of the few countries that have ever actually done that. I mean, last I checked, Turkmenistan is not out there fighting wars to end oppression in other people's countries and institute some good semblance of freedom and liberty and justice for people. It's just not happening. The United States does that. Not all the time. Not every war. No, I'm not a warmonger on this issue. I don't think the United States should be running around fighting wars all the time, but I'm just simply stating a fact, something that has happened in the past. Exhibit A, South Korea. Now, you might say, well, the United States had ulterior motives there. I don't give a crap. I don't care what the motives are. Look at the result. The United States could have been greedy and just wanted to have some kind of a, an outpost for freedom out there on that particular peninsula because it suited our military interests. I don't give a crap. And I don't, frankly speaking, I don't think the people of South Korea give a crap either. They're just happy to have their freedom. So what about canceling tyranny? We don't seem to be doing a lot of that as it pertains to canceling things these days. I mean, in the, in the, in the, within the purview of where the canceling happens. There is a lot of time and attention and effort spent to cancel all kinds of people, all kinds of institutions, all kinds of organizations. But rarely do you ever see anybody make a deliberate attempt to try to cancel tyranny. There's all kinds of tyrannical regimes that, speaking of Twitter, by the way, there's all kinds of tyrannical regimes that have an account on Twitter, unimpeded, not canceled, not curtailed in any particular kind of way, as best as I can tell, but they're there. What's that all about? I don't think the United States is much in the business of canceling tyranny anymore. That's a problem. Why? You know, somebody might ask, Roman, why is that a problem for Pete's sake? Because the United States is supposed to be held to a standard, perhaps? You think that maybe has something to do with it? Instead of, instead of just being focused on political corruption and winning the next election and cashing checks and buying mansions, the politicians should probably be interested in perpetuating this concept that America used to have as being the beacon of freedom and liberty in the world. I mean, between the war that we are fighting over the First Amendment and the Eighth Amendment— and the Second Amendment, and frankly speaking, probably the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, and this alleged unwritten rule about tyranny and oppression around the world, and the politicians not really saying anything about it, I'd say we have ourselves a bit of a problem here. You know, if people had been so lackadaisical about ending slavery in this country, we would still probably have slavery in this country. If people wouldn't have been so passionate about ending it, because let's get that story straight, the only reason why slavery ended when it did it's because, number one, 700,000 people are dead who would have otherwise gone on, most of them, to live perfectly productive and fruitful lives and done nothing more than enjoyed their time with their wives and their children and their parents and all the rest of it. But they're dead, and they've been dead since 1865, and most of them died far too young. But between them and a very passionate large number of abolitionists, slavery ended. Are we that passionate about ending tyranny today? Are we that passionate 
And again, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we go to war. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to make a point. I'm trying to demonstrate that there was a passion for ending tyranny at one point in time. There doesn't seem to be a passion for it today. I mean, I have a passion for it, which is why I'm talking about it. I'm sure you have a passion for it, which is why you're listening to me talk about it and you haven't tuned this out by now. But the politicians, not so passionate. American business, not so passionate. There just seems to be this agreement. Eh, we'll just let it happen. Just keep it within your borders and it's okay. We'll just kind of uh, shake hands with a wink and a nod and just say, uh, that's okay. Perhaps if we're going to cancel something, if we're going to cancel someone or a group of people, maybe we should be in the business of canceling tyranny. Now, some people might say, well, Roman, some of those, some of those people who've uh, been canceled are tyrannical. Really? When was the last time anybody who was canceled off Twitter killed 50 million people? Seriously, just I'm just asking the question. When was the last time anybody who was on Twitter who got canceled killed 50 million people? I can point you straight towards a government that's done that. It's called the CCP. The PRC boys over there in Beijing did that. And do I need to even get into the millions of people that have been murdered by that uh, tin-pot dictatorship over there in North Korea? Not a whole lot of canceling that thing going on. Hell, we practically handed them nuclear weapons. Because why not? That happened back in the 90s. Some of the people listening to this podcast may not even have been born. You don't remember that. I remember it. And why was the United States so quiet about Australia a couple of years ago? Why was the United States so quiet about that? What's the story behind that? That just that just goes right back to the shadow of the empire. The British Empire, right? The Founding Fathers, I firmly believe, and somebody might say, Roman, this is your opinion. I know. The Founding Fathers would want us to be vigilant. Because I'm pretty sure somebody once said the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. You see, you think I talk about this because this is me talking. This is Roman talking. Like, I, like I've said before, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. The vast majority of what I say on this podcast, this is not me. And no, I, I don't have delusions about channeling people from the other dimension or anything of the sort. I'm just reiterating what I've read off the page. It's not so much that I have some split personality disorder as I'm just reading something off of the page that somebody else wrote, and I'm bringing it onto this podcast. Somebody once said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. This is me saying we need to be vigilant about this. And by the way, if you're curious who, who said that, it was attributed to Thomas Jefferson. As being the person who coined the phrase, Lord knows if he did. Probably was something that might have been kicked around as a thought back then by quite a few people. Thomas Jefferson apparently picked up on it, and rightfully so. So this is me just, you know, kind of bringing Thomas Jefferson up into the 21st century and saying, let's be vigilant about this. Let's pay attention to this, because if there is some unwritten rule, some back alley handshake, wink and a nod between these politicians, these elected leaders, hey, terrorize your people, fine, I won't say a word, but you better let me terrorize my people too, and don't you dare say a word. If there is some kind of an underhanded agreement, or just a quiet understanding, they don't even have to say it, just a quiet understanding that that's the way things are going to be, we have ourselves a big problem on our hands. Now, why do I say that? Again, what? getting back to the French and the American Revolution, what would happen if there was an underhanded deal between the French government and the British government? There's no French ships off the coast of America helping us. There's no French army landing in America to help us. There's no French money coming to the United States of America to help us. Washington's on his own. He's out there in the field on his own, and he's probably going to get killed. That's why this is serious. And we may be talking about some other country. This may not be applicable to the United States of America this time. It may be some other country that we're talking about, but I don't give a crap. I care as much about their freedom as I do mine. You know, and somebody might, might also give the example. This crosses my mind. They might say, well, Roman, for peace sake, in the Revolutionary War, the, uh, the unwritten rule wouldn't have applied because the British crossed a border. No, they didn't. They didn't cross a border. 
These were their colonies. For all intents and purposes, this was Great Britain. Now, it was an ocean apart, which is why we had that whole problem of taxation without representation. We didn't have any representation in the British Parliament. There was a distance there. But this was sweet. They were still British subjects, and they were still accountable to British law in some respect. They didn't cross a border. That British military that attacked, that was our military. And when I say our, I mean the people of America, the American colonies, our ancestors. That was our military that attacked us. That was no foreign military. It wasn't like Russia invading Ukraine, despite some people's uh, comments to the, to the contrary. The Russia, Russia is not Ukraine. So hopefully you get my point. So let's keep an eye on this, you know, and if you want to you hold your politicians' feet to the fire, and you know, if you don't hear a lot of protesting coming out of their, coming out of their office whenever, whenever the, uh, the tyrants of the world decide to smash their people, maybe give them a ring and say, hey, what do you, what do you, why, don't you, why don't you say something about this? I mean, somewhere between cashing checks and buying mansions, can you, can you section off about five or ten minutes and talk about this? But I will be keeping an eye on this. Because it baffles me. I'm all about canceling tyranny. Just like the Founding Fathers. I'm in good company that way. I'm all about canceling it. Because the Founding Fathers did that. George Washington got on a horse and took to the field and set about canceling tyranny. Now that's real work right there. This kind of canceling crap that happens nowadays, it is some of the weakest, most spineless crap I've ever seen in my life. There's, there's nobody that needs to take to a horse and go to the field and face down an actual army of soldiers shooting at them to do the canceling. But George Washington did that. He did that. That's a heck of a guy. Thousands of soldiers did that. The Founding Fathers did that and risked everything. I mean, back then, if they were going to cancel something, they, they did the hard work to actually get it done, not just sit behind a keyboard. They walked the walk and talked the talk. And so did, by the way, those 700,000 men who died in the Civil War. 700,000. We lost more men in the Civil War than any other war the United States has ever fought. That was a god-awful bloody mess. Mostly to cancel tyranny. Mostly. That's what that was about. Canceling tyranny is a hard and difficult thing. You can't just do it from behind a keyboard most of the time. It actually takes a little bit of sacrifice. For all those people out there that want to cancel things, I mean, these people who are really brave behind a keyboard and a smartphone, why don't you do something a little bit more grandiose with your time, a little bit more courageous, and go down to the Ukrainian embassy and say, I want to sign up. When do we ship out? And go over to Ukraine and start canceling some Russian tyranny. And you can take your keyboard and your smartphone with you if you want to, but something tells me when the Russian soldiers are shooting at you, that's not going to get you very far. You're going to have to learn how to shoot back. And there's a, there's a pretty healthy chance that you might get killed over there. But that's the brave thing to do if you want to cancel some tyranny. But something tells me people just hide behind the keyboard. And probably the same kind of people who would ridicule the Founding Fathers, who actually did leave the house and go out and cancel some tyranny. Just a thought. I'm not saying we send an army to the field all the time. Every time we see this, we can't do that. We can certainly raise our voice, though. We can certainly put our money where our mouth is. But I think it was a great thing the Founding Fathers did to set an example of standing up for their rights and their liberties. The Declaration of Independence and eventually the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Standing up for those, those principles. That, that, was a, that was a fantastic thing that they did. It's unfortunate that it had to be that way, that they actually had to go get shot at to actually get that done. I wish it could have been done under different circumstances. But I'm glad they did it. Because hundreds of millions of people who call themselves Americans have benefited from it, whether they know it or not. And that was probably the greatest example of canceling tyranny that the world has ever seen, between that and World War II and the Civil War in the United States. Those are three great examples of canceling tyranny, and the United States participated in all of that. Unfortunately, of course, in the Civil War, it was the tyranny that was within the United States that we were trying to cancel. That's the sad commentary on that one. But again, it was... Not the entire United States that was guilty of that. It was a, it was 
a portion of the United States. Some people forget about that. But, you know, I say all this to say this is something we need to keep an eye on. We need to keep an eye on this this kind of this this special brand of tyranny that's growing around the world where, you know, these attacks on freedom of speech. You know, I heard somebody say it recently that uh, it was a, I believe it was a politician. It was just in the last few days. Hate speech is not free speech, or hate speech is not in the First Amendment. It's not a part of the First Amendment. It's not included in the First Amendment. And again, this is this is that process of trying to write things into the Constitution that aren't there, like separation of church and state, which is not there. It was just kind of written in there by a bunch of people who don't know what they're talking about. And this is the same kind of thing. Of course, hate speech is included in the First Amendment as free speech. Of course it is. The Founding Fathers hurled some of the best insults at one another I've ever heard. And some of the worst insults at each other that I've ever heard. That's some hate speech. Go back and, and read what some of these people wrote to each other. And heck, Alexander Hamilton died as a result of some hate speech dispute between him and Aaron Burr. You know, allegedly, you know, Burr was um, slighted in some particular kind of way by Hamilton as he, as he perceived it. And the next thing you know, they're dueling with one another and Alexander Hamilton is dead. The Bill of Rights should be defended in the United States of America and it should be advocated for around the world, because it's a great set of principles set forth by the Founding Fathers of the United States of America, who canceled tyranny and suffered great hardships to do so. Let's not let those hardships go to waste. Let's, n let's not let the politicians get lazy, as they are wont to do. It's real easy to get lazy when you're cashing checks and buying mansions, by the way. It's real easy. So let's keep an eye towards that. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Let's stay vigilant. Let's uh, try to let's try to ferret out these unwritten rules of tyranny and oppression that may exist between governments around the world, more specifically politicians around the world, because we can't be tolerating that. So I hope you enjoy this uh, this episode of the podcast. I hope you found something in this episode thought provoking. And in the next episode, we're going to get back into the letters again, as we do, and we're going to talk more about the letters from our founding fathers and have a good discussion about that, about all the things that they were dealing with at the time, about canceling tyranny and everything else. So I hope you'll join me on that episode of the podcast. And with all that said, this is Roman signing off. Thank you.